0: of your career today. Welcome to the job interview experience. Joining us today is Colin Hunter, an author, mentor, coach, and founder of Potential Squared, which specializes in creating playgrounds to disrupt the way people are led. Colin and his team provide leaders and their teams with the chance to, as he describes it, sail their ship out of the harbor and test themselves in rougher seas. I like that, Colin. He's a hmm. practitioner and his work and his book are based on personal experience and purposeful practice with his clients. Colin is here to share three mindsets, five systems for personal and leadership impact and high-level thinking that can help you reimagine your job search, create a new foundation as you progress in your career. Colin, thanks for being here. Hey, Matthew, lovely to be here. Lovely
1: to have this conversation. I'm a bit le- a longer journey down the career than the people probably I'm talking to but I've loved my career and I've loved every failure and every success in
0: it so hopefully I can share something
1: today that's uh, of value to people
0: yeah I really appreciate you coming on but before we jump into this we want to get to know you better how do you like to spend your time outside of work Hmm. I walk
1: so that's my one of my big things is walking I uh, we were just saying before we come on um, that's I live in the countryside, so I get out into the forests, onto the mountains, the hills. I'm a Scotsman by birth, so if you've ever watched the film Braveheart and seen Mel Gibson running around the mountains, um, that's what I love to do. So whether it's sea, mountains, Scottish uh, scenery, skiing, anything like that. But I feel at peace really when I'm out in nature and facing the elements, whether it's a a rainy day, a sunny day, it's everything's to be appreciated. That's what I do.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. When you go on, say, a long walk, do you put in an earbud and listen to anything or do you just commit to the silence or or the nature? Great
1: question, because in theory, if I was listening to a lot of people, they would say, don't put your iPods in, don't listen to something. But what I tend to do is I do my learning through walking. So I, I listen to either in terms of fitness and health, Dr. Andrew Huberman's uh, podcast on, on physical health, which I think is m- massively helpful for me in my life. But I also listen to books, so I've got good friends who are authors like myself, and we get recommendations, we share. So I'm probably doing a book a week, an audible book a week uh, by walking and getting out there. And uh, I find it's a great way of being able to listen, absorb, still get the fresh air, still get my exercise, and uh, yeah, it's
0: good, Yeah. I was interested in your answer because I'm on the exact same page. I I go on long bike rides or walks or even road trips, and I try and give myself some time just for the silence. Mm -hmm. But I also have such a long reading list or, or listening list for podcast episodes and audiobooks that I can't help but use that time to try and learn something or just engage in maybe a biography, fiction, nonfiction, business but what i found is that i listen to music so little now i would never consider listening to music on a walk i would be listening to say an audio book or nothing at all but uh, that time i I like the way you put that it's a time to learn and obviously exercise and get fresh air but as time becomes more limited it's good to be able to do multiple things at once
1: yeah i have a concept called nesting habits and therefore, my music comes in the morning. I experiment with new music, so a big music fan. In the evening, I'll watch some YouTube and some of the old bands, big Rush fan and other rock bands. But uh, in the morning, I'll experiment, so I try out new bands, listen to new music um, and work. That. And that's So it's about 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning, I'll listen to one or two new tracks. But my inspiration is classical music, actually, for whether it's classical film music or other things to, to work to. I've always been something in my ear as I'm working and thinking inspires me. So it's fascinating. Horses for courses, as they say, you've got to try and find out what's right for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us some highlights of your career and Mm. what led you to where you are today? So I started my career in Procter &
1: Gamble. And probably one of my lowlights but highlights of my life was I had a breakdown when I was 30. So I was trying to be somebody I was not. comes back to the career advice I was trying to fit in before that was Arthur Anderson. So I was trying to be a tax consultant and I was doing a job I didn't like. Bottom line is when I had the breakdown, took two weeks off, lowest I'd ever been, but a doctor, GP, general practitioner in the UK took me aside and gave me some advice about managing my energy levels. And it was that energy levels piece in back of my mind about how I look at the systems that fuel my life. That I started to work on and that's when I went in MBA became a trainer development leadership coach worked in there and I started to find that I was able through those systems and through some of those learnings that I had really early on to coach people and work with people and I had an observational skill which is based on this piece about being able to fall out your own thinking but observe people in real time to to pick up on said things and people and and work with them so That's what I've specialized in. So I'm refreshingly direct is the tag line of our business because we're direct, but it's that refreshing bit where having conversations that a lot of people would either never have with those people in a coaching or a training environment or in a way which is uh, getting people to think about themselves in a different way. So I use those energy systems to to develop uh, other work, including something called Properly Selfish, which we can talk about. When we come uh, later on so my career has been there then built a business consultancy business since 2001 called potential squared and i see that as a playground so i see that as fun we win awards we go out we create new stuff but we work with our clients to fail and therefore learn fast so if you want to work with us you want to fail you want to stretch yourself then come and work with us if you want safe then we're probably not the organization for you yeah
0: one of the factors that made me so eager to ask you to come on the show was that kind of directness, honesty. I won't say brutal honesty. I don't want to put, put words in your mouth. It's an interesting thing because when we're really honest with people, and for me, this comes in when I, I do interview coaching. And I tell people mm-hmm. before the call, I said, would you like me to be completely honest with you or smooth things over? There are times when people can't take that. Maybe that's a hard point in life and it's just a little bit too much. But I think it's unhelpful to not give people the truth and, and tell them what they need to hear. Has that always come easy for you? Or has that been something that you've learned to do to help your clients t- to the maximum amount? Yeah,
1: inside I'm what a lot of people would call a pleaser. So I like to please people. And therefore, I don't like conflict. But I've got a good friend, Leanne Davy, who wrote the book, The Good Fight. She talks about productive conflict and conflict debt. And therefore, for me, there's a piece where observationally, I'll pick up things. And if I walk away from that without calling that, not the, and direct is probably the, the wrong word, without calling it and noticing it. So it's mm-hmm. almost as if you and I were looking at something about you, I'd almost be looking between us and taking, distracting you and I to this piece to objectivize it and be tough on the facts. So this is what I've seen, yeah? This is what I've heard. This is what I've felt and I've noticed. And then it's discussing how that, that is impacting on you. But it's a discussion. It's a, I, I love the design thinking feedback model, which is I like, I wish, I wonder. I like this. I wish I could see a bit more of this. But the wonder question is fantastic and that refreshingly direct because you call out the behavior, the action that you have seen, and then you say, oh, I wonder what the impact is for you. I wonder where that behavior comes from. And normally when you get into to a real depth of conversation with people. They're walking through walls only they are creating. They're, they're going towards goals that only they've either picked up from their parents, their backgrounds, from society. And actually, when you fundamentally ask them the questions, then they're not sure why they're heading this direction, most people. I don't think I knew what I wanted to do till I was about 40, and I'm still probably not sure what I want to do now. So, why the hell do we expect people at the age of 18, 19, 20 to know what they want to do? So, that's the
0: refreshing bit is
1: the questioning and the working with people underneath
0: why they do things. Yeah. Does that overlap with the three mindsets that you use to coach clients? It does. It's an interesting one because it was given to me by a French friend.
1: And when I was, he was giving to me. So, those offended by, sort of anything to do with being unfaithful please just listen with care to this but he was talking about how French culture in France he said Colin we are always looking for our next relationship and I was like okay interesting so I I went with his analogy but as I listened to the analogy I was thinking about career I was thinking about how we are in organizations and jobs and he said When we're looking for our next relationship, the first thing that always comes in there is we're taking care of ourselves. So we're fit and healthy. And therefore, when you come to the fit and healthy, you're fit and healthy, not only for potential future relationships, but also for our current relationships. And if you think about jobs and careers, a lot of the times we get a job and then we let ourselves go, we get comfortable. And for me, this keeping ourselves fit and healthy, challenging ourselves. And my coaching will always be about in somebody saying, so. What are you doing that's getting in your way of either being promoted or getting to where you want to be? And a lot of the times we get comfortable. So that's the first thing. So when you're fit and healthy, you're good for your job. You're rated well in your job. So when you're looking for another job, great, people are seeing that you're performing. So that's a bit of the refreshing piece because a lot of the times, and I make excuses. I was called in the beef the other day by one of my coaches she just called me on something. She said, I think that's a bit of excuse, isn't it, Colin? And I was like, e- okay, yeah, it is. So it's that ability to to say, are you truly being fit and healthy? And then the second principle is when you're looking for your next relationship, you're benchmarking. And I think it's the same with relationships, same with jobs. We don't always look at what we've got and we don't go out and explore what's in the market to be able to say, oh, "What I've got here is pretty good. And there might be a series of criteria because be careful what you wish for. You might get more salary, more income, but you might be working till midnight every night, or you might work for a toxic boss when you get in there. So there's a benchmarking piece uh, to do that, but also that gives you a healthy view of what you've got. And then the final bit is you're ready. I know that you sail and you go out, you don't go out without the boat being ready, you don't go out without having made sure you've done your planning. You've let people know all of this planning and preparation. And for me, when it comes to leaving a role or going to the next relationship, one of the key things, I was a big fan of rugby, sport, rugby, and the All Blacks always talk about, have you left your shirt in a better place? That's your role is to make your shirt a better shirt by the time you've left it. In there. And for me, that's succession planning. Have you got your successor in place? Have you left the business in a better place? Can you measure it? People will thank you for that. And for me, leaving an organization doesn't mean that you leave those people behind. Your network and your reputation still follows you right around wherever you go.
0: Yeah. For that second factor of the three mindsets, the benchmarking your role, that's really intriguing to me. But how could a job seeker who's applied to 10, 20 jobs, they've had an interview or two, they've gotten plenty of rejections, How does that play into this point in a job seeker's job search?
1: For me, it's all about experimentation. When I come back to, if anything to do with growth in what you do, and and again, James Clear wrote Atomic Habits and he said, we don't rise to the level of our objectives, we fall to the level of our systems. And therefore, for me, whether you're a job seeker or in role, doesn't matter. There's a piece about how do you live your life through a series of experiments. So for me, what I love when people approach me for jobs and roles is that they've done the research. They, even sometimes they've offered to say, look, let me come in for a month. Particularly when you don't have a job, let me come in and do some work for you. Or even better, here's an analysis, here's a report, here's something I've written, have it. Yeah, go use it, do it as a blog. Or why don't I do something where I invite you on, Colin, and I'll do something where uh, I'll produce something for YouTube or on video or publish for social media. When I see that, I see somebody who's you know making strides and experimenting to do that. And again, that's that piece about benchmarking because again, that feedback. I might go, look, I've read your report. Here's what I like. I wish. I wonder. Yeah, you've already got your feedback, but I'm more likely from that person to go the three criteria: hungry, hum- humble, hungry, and smart. That go in there. Are the, is that person demonstrating that for me and therefore I might have a job, but I'm going to recommend them to somebody else because of the way they approach me. Yeah. So that's the key thing is you're benchmarking, you're experimenting, and you're trying to find new ways of operating. It's hard work, especially if you go trying to put food on the table, mm-hmm. but I, I know so many people who don't try that experimentation. It's almost, I'm going to be given something. No, we don't get anything in this world. We go earn it. Yeah.
0: I love what you said about bringing something to the table, maybe during a job search or while you're trying to figure out the next phase of your career. And I talk to listeners quite a bit about that. How can you make this interaction or conversation about the employer, but also how can you start working for them almost without their permission? So a couple of ideas that I've shared on the podcast would be During your interview, coming and actually having some research that you've done on a new technology, a new product, a new system, maybe a new base of clients, if it's selling, that you can tell them a little bit about and say, hey, based on your industry or based on what I know, this is a direction I think that you could go or that might be worth looking into. Or on a cover letter, and I've coached some people to do this. Instead of saying, my name is John, and I really want to work in the city that you're in, and this is my dream, blah, 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 giving a really quick sentence of what you do and then say, I've actually come up with three ideas to increase safety or efficiency or sales or clicks, whatever industry it is, and say very briefly, say, hey, here's one idea, here's two ideas, and here's the third idea. I can't really get into this whole idea in just a piece of paper. So I look forward to sharing the rest of this during our interview. And just these little things you can do to all of a sudden, instead of you just telling them about yourself, you're providing them with something that hopefully they don't know. Or if they happen to know it, they just see that you have the energy or the interest to do these things that are beyond just... As we've probably all seen on LinkedIn hitting the quick apply button, right? And then you're done and you're to the next thing. So these, like you said, experimentation, these little things you can do that add value to that interaction. And it's not going to guarantee that you get the job if you're completely unqualified or wrong location, whatever it might be, but it's definitely going to make you stand out. For me, the
1: sales side and Donald Miller, who does a lot of brand work and he came to an association I go to every year. And he'd done his homework, so he was giving a pitch and a talk, but he'd analyzed everyone in that room's website against his principles of the hero's journey and whether they were putting themselves as the hero or their customers. For me, it's the same thing around somebody going for a job interview. If they've done the homework and they've come in and they're refreshingly direct and they said, I picked up two or three things, but I'm interested to challenge you around whether you're really hitting your messaging, for example, then, wow, okay, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to be curious to go in and do that. So
0: that takes a risk, but it takes your work and your prep beforehand. Yeah. Can we talk about how we can start setting ourselves up for success today? So by the time we are our future selves, five years, 15 years down the road, I would hope we'd be way ahead of the curve of Mm. where we want to be in our career and how we're making an impact. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because if you go back to Nassim Nicholas Taleb's book, Anti-Fragile,
1: brilliant book. He'd written Black Swan, said you can't predict the future. So for me, I've always thought that leadership systems are about how strong are your systems to be able to be resilient, to be able to thrive in chaos as you go forward. So that's one thing. I, I think the other thing for me is, goes back to a golfing analogy. Bob Rotella wrote a book called Putting Past the Hole, Yeah. And what he meant was, if you put past the hole, your ball past the hole, the hole will get in the way of the ball and will drop in. But if you're putting to the hole, then it's always going to fall short. It's going to good chance. And it's the same with careers leadership is I've got to think past my one or two roles that I'm heading for the one I've been recruited for promoted to. And therefore, I'm always looking for the skill sets around and about. So we have five systems. and The first one is For me, teach it to children, teach it to younger kids, which is what we call impact, the three Cs, which is how do I show up with confidence? How do I get my physicality, my vocality to be agile in the moment? And I was doing this with a Taiwanese group of 40 people at Cambridge University last week. And again, teaching it, it's universal culturally, goes across cultures. It's physicality, vocality to be able to show up. The second C is conviction, which is, being truly clear about what are your purposes why you do stuff why do you do what you do and your identity so we talked about cycling we talked about sailing do i sail or am i a sailor and the being a sailor means that your whole life is generated around this and it becomes a different mindset so as a leader early on what are the opportunities you can put in place to be a leader not just to lead but to be a leader and start that early because Leadership without authority is probably where we all need to be as leaders. How do we not use our authority, but how do we get people to follow us just because of our influence? So that's that conviction. But the most important one for me always is connection, the ability to dance with the music others bring. And so those three C's and that connection, the agile moments and paying it forward and servant leadership is a critical thing in there. So that's the impact system now. We use actors, professional actors to bring that to life. Because if you want to go do this, go improv, go do improv comedy, go do acting, because that ability in the moment to yes and, to go with the flow, to, to adapt to the audience is a skill that you'll need in, in the future. So that's impact. So second system. So think about a hero's journey. I'm going to give you this in this concept to bring the systems, the four systems that I'm going to talk to you about now. The first one is how you get engaged connections. So if you think Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, you're thinking about Harry, you're thinking about Frodo, gathering a group of people together. And the first system of engaged connections, think about how often we only use our network when we need it, when we're desperate, when we, we don't have a job. And suddenly we're in contact with somebody we haven't been in contact with for ages. And we're asking them for a favor when we need it. So the first piece about it is how do I get a diverse group network of people where I'm engaging with true connections, but I'm also breaking my echo chamber. I'm going and talking to people that I've never talked to before. Go if you hated investment bankers, for some reason, go talk to investment bankers. If you had an issue with HR, go talk to HR. It's that engaged connections group that um, will fuel one of the systems for me, which is having followers and having people who will rank you and rate you in there. So engaged connections as a leader or as a job seeker, is massively important. And then this, once Frodo and Sam have got their team together and their group together, they have a quest. And for me, this if I was a job seeker and I was starting on that job search, I'd write a letter to myself, which is in 12 months time, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be challenging myself? 31st of December, 24, Where? what do I want to see in my life? What are going to be the challenges? What am I going to be stretching myself at? The compelling piece about the inspired energy system is having a story that others can buy into. Because the first question that people will ask when you're going into job interviews, or you to be a leader, is why should I either employ you, or why should I follow you? So having that compelling story, and get an ugly, compelling story to start with. Just put it out there, test it. This is design thinking, prototype it. And it's amazing after a while, probably had eight or nine purposes, that I've had, and I've worked on them, tested them. But part of this, in this inspired energy is resilience. So if you think about what you need as a job seeker, I've had a friend who was looking for a job for at least three years, and that took a huge amount of resilience. He had to keep himself fit and healthy, properly selfish. We mentioned this before, putting your own oxygen mask on yourselves, pacing yourself, managing your energy, sleep, measuring your sleep. I'm wearing an URA ring here, measure my sleep, looking at my diet, everything in there, mental health, headspace, meditation in the morning. When you show up with presence and that will be about your physicality, your strength, your resilience, and your mindset. So that's the inspired energy. And for me, that's the one I always start with. And if you can coach that a lot of the times people will buy you no matter what the other systems are. So I would start
0: with that a lot of the time. And I I would imagine for most people, including myself, that first set comes naturally. Yeah. The first couple interviews, the first couple days of applying for jobs, you're eager and you are doing, getting a lot done. And then as things wear on and some of that, ex- maybe not ex- maybe excitement would be the right word. You're not excited that you've lost a job or you're in this space, but it slowly transitions from excitement to really monotony and <laughs> letdowns and then excitement and then letdowns. And so that's at the point where you have to choose to have that level of energy. You have to choose to be excited, maybe even to be polite, to give recruiters your time and and attention. And I think that this also goes back to what you said about writing yourself a letter, is Mm. maybe trying to predict some of these things and the pride you'll have in yourself looking back 12 months from now and, and continuing on, or the resolve 12 months from now, maybe if you're not where you think you are, that you've learned and those things stick with you for your your whole career. But I I think there's a lot of benefit to foreseeing some of these things. And then with the letter, also reflecting, almost reflecting back from a time that you haven't reached yet, 12 years from now, and then also maybe from where you are now and then getting that all on paper. That's a lot to clear your head. Yeah, I
1: I like what you said there. I think the bit for me is sometimes doing rapid reviews after an interview after you've had a failure very quickly, what's going on there. I think the, the quicker we get to that and what I find distracting and good is to write notes in it because by detaching my thoughts to a pen and paper, I put it out there rather than just mullet in my head and meditation helps as well to do that. I think the other thing for me is just, I have a series of thoughts in my head about if our actions are a vote for the type of person we want to be. Doing a quick analysis of what actions habits I have each time I go to an interview, I lead. I do my interview. What are the habits I lead with? How do I leave that room? How do I walk into the room? How do I get curious about the person in front of you? How do I pay it forward to that person in the interview? How do I show? And most importantly, how do I treat the receptionist when I go in and out? There's that old story, which is the receptionist is the one who you ask and say, so what were they like? And like, oh no, I wouldn't recruit them. They were terrible. They treated me. Terribly,
0: yeah. So So true.
1: Yeah. So that's the inspired energy system. And now what we're talking about is funnily enough, the fresh ideas. And when we think about it, a lot of our interviewing in the past has, tell me about a time when you have done something. And the one is we're looking for in certain, certain times, organizations and leaders are looking for certainty. Can I predict that this person, when they get a job, is going to be a predictable success for what we're doing. Now, for me, there's a piece in here that nowadays, this is shifting because a lot of organizations, cultures, products, clients are looking for people who can come in and just go, how might we, how I how diverge our thinking. So this experimentation and living your life as a series of small experiments in whatever you do. So for example, even if one interview is successful, don't follow the same pattern the next time. Keep it fresh in your mind. Treat the next interview as a different thing. Try a different tack, because what people are looking for is impact in you. Sustainable impact, provable impact, but they're looking for how you made them feel and therefore experimentation in there. And it's the same for leadership. If I did the same thing with my team every week. So we, for example, on a Friday now we started a pulse check in at 9.15 in the morning where we play a bit of music that reflects our week. So we have to put a bit of music on. Now, it's 20 minutes of fun. Disco was the highlight this morning. Two people picked the same earth, wind, and fire track this morning, and, but it's the same thing when you're thinking about engaging people, employers. How do you catch their attention? And how do you tell them about the experimental mindset you've taken to what you do and how you do things? So that's the fresh ideas.
0: You made a point there that I yeah. I want to spend just a little more time on because I haven't said this myself and I've never heard anyone say it before, but you said something about not trying to repeat a good job interview mm-hmm. and there's that's really powerful because you don't want to repeat mistakes you make. You want to learn from those, whether, it, whether you realized you weren't prepared to talk about something that you should have been able to talk about, or maybe you talked too fast or said too many times, whatever it is, that, those are things we want to grow from, reflect on like the notes you talked about taking. Yeah. Um, makes, make some notes on improvements and changes you can make, but when interviews go well, and sometimes it, it's just based, based on the compatibility really of personalities in the room that, that you can't make a choice about, but trying to reproduce a good interview in another interview will, it, in my experience and observation will fail miserably. You will be acting, you will be trying to force different relationships to try and be the same way, whether maybe the last interview you had was successful, but it it was very lighthearted and funny. If you try and bring that into your next interview, not knowing what the people will be like, what the mood, what the company culture is, whether the other interview was very serious and you felt like that was you and everything went well. Then the next interview, you're that same note. You're trying to play that exact same note at that point really it's acting or it's trying to almost reproduce or or force a play or an interaction so i think that's just something for job seekers to think about what can you learn and improve on from bad interviews and also what do you do well and and what are maybe some of your strengths in interviews that you want to make sure you focus on but if you do have some really good experiences don't think that experience is going to be the same and don't try and replicate it you have to learn to mirror the people that you interview with kind of follow their lead on on the rapport and the energy but also have it be a new experience for yourself and for them and that's what creates i think the real connection and the realism between both parties yeah for me that goes back to the connection piece dancing with the music that's in front
1: of you i always remember the one sales pitch i had which I said, we're not psychologists. And this worked. And people go, Yeah, I don't like the fact that psychologists are taking over the leadership training world. So the next time I tried it, but unluckily got a psychologist on the other side of the fence who said, So what's wrong with psychologists? And then it just went downhill from there. So this dancing it's another way of putting it is that there's a great Larson cartoon which says, All prepared for your spontaneity session. And there's a piece about being all prepared, but realizing that human nature is spontaneity. How do I read the audience? How do I get curious, find out, test? And how do I learn to dance with the music
0: they're bringing? We were getting to number five, is that correct?
1: Yeah, we were going to go into intentional growth, which for me is the most important one. Because if we think about this, about growth mindset, lifelong learner, People see it as a career. I don't see it as a career. I see it as what are the experiences that I want to have in life? And therefore, and also when I'm going through those experiences, what is my almost my teachable points of view each part of my career? And that's why I introduce myself by saying I've enjoyed nearly all my failures in my career as well as my successes. Because once I've honed a point of view in my intentional growth, I can either hold it for myself or I can teach it to others to learn from. So the first bit is what we would call subject matter expertise or points of view with that intentional growth, which is what have you learned? What's first sign of madness is doing the same thing and expecting different results. So what are we doing? Firstly, that's we're learning and we're progressing. But the second thing for this is this piece about a lifelong learner. And I'm a big believer in creating an advisory board for your career. So recruiting two or three people and rotating where people are coming in almost as mentors, as coaches for you to have them as an advisory board. And it's amazing how much they get out of the conversation as well as you. And an old friend is an advisory board member now. He said, when you're coming up for ideas or ways you go next, always come with, if you come with two things, it's binary. Say yes or no. So always come with multiple ideas. So I would always have three advisors always have different backgrounds, different strengths. And I'd be looking. So that intentional growth is about you demonstrating to them that you're improving, but also them helping you, you grow. So that system needs to be consistently done. And I, I, people listening might know this person, they might not, but Ken Blanchard's probably one of the greatest leadership gurus to have ever written a book. He wrote, said about situational leadership. He's the biggest lifelong learner I've ever met. And I sit every year next to him. And he listens and he, he builds and he asks questions and he believes he doesn't know. And therefore, he comes with a curiosity mindset. So if he's now 80 something and he's still going and doing that, then we need to learn that as well. So those are the five systems. Yeah. And I believe you've written a book. Is that correct? My life had been a series of screw ups. My mother would tell me on a regular basis that I had screwed up. But it's this piece that if we believe we're perfectly imperfect, which we all are, where perfection is something none of us achieve. But if we're perfectly imperfect, how can we be more wrong in terms of learn fast? How can we use our experimentation? How can we use our failures to learn quicker and faster? To your introduction, how do we sail our ship out of the harbor when you're sailing? How do you learn to tack into a, a very strong wind? I won't use the technical jargon do you wait till a very strong wind hits you or do you go out and test and stretch and practice? So the, there's something in there about be more wrong is about using these systems we've talked about, but going out and about starting to experiment and trying to be more wrong to stretch yourself and grow. And that's, I just wrote about my client's screw-ups, my screw-ups, but in the context of we've been successful by doing these. So
0: remove the stigma of failure in your life, yeah. And what's the book called? Be more wrong. Yeah, Be more wrong. You have me thinking outside of my own framework today. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing the same for listeners. So I'm going to check that out and get myself a copy and we'll enjoy that. As far as the type of folks that you work with, what does that typically lo- look like? Who comes to you and who are you able to help the most? So for me, it's interesting because
1: if I probably get pigeonholed to go to senior leaders, but my passion is for junior managers, junior leaders, first-line leaders who are in there. And my passion is for people who make a a difference. So I'm coaching somebody who runs an orphanage in Mexico, who is a British citizen who's out there and coaching. For me, it's about coaching what I would call the unlikely leaders, the people who have never had the opportunity, never had a chance to shine, to grow, whether it's through Neurodiverse issues, background issues, and that's where I really—that's where I feel I make a difference in this. I'm at most passionate when I'm with somebody who really wants to be outstanding and is stretching, growing, but has so many blockers in their way
0: that I feel I can help them. Yeah. And what's the best way for folks to connect with you?
1: Many different ways. So
0: I'm going to be, uh,
1: put a caveat: the Colin Hunter is a story. One of my colleagues uh, was coaching me and I just had a bit of a, I've got an imposter syndrome in my background. So at the Colin Hunter, and she kept saying, are you the Colin Hunter? And I went, no, I'm just Colin Hunter. She went, no, are you the Colin Hunter? And after a while, I suddenly got it. If I don't believe I'm the Colin Hunter, then I'm never going to be worthy. Mm -hmm. So at the Colin Hunter is one way you can find me. Potential two, potentialsquared.com you can find or be more wrong website and you can do or you can check me out LinkedIn. I love you to, to to make contact with me on LinkedIn love to help if any way I can with any of your listeners in terms of how they
0: I can help in their careers or their
1: learning and growth
0: yeah thank you for offering that and we will link to all of those options in this episode's description before we finish up here Colin, could you provide a word of motivation or encouragement for our listeners as we close the episode and they go out throughout the rest of their week?
1: So I just had my visioning and coaching session from my longtime coach, Jamie Smart, yesterday. So I'm going to give you, can I give you two words? Yeah, please. So the first one is peace. Uh, Finding a place of peace with yourself. Perfectly imperfect. Be at peace with yourself. And the second thing is connection, because through connection, we build rapport, even in interviews. And therefore, if I was to lead with one thing, live your life full of connection,
0: and then you will succeed. Yeah. Colin, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your expertise and what I'll call your framework that has me thinking outside of where I am and and working to expand that. Thanks for sharing with us, very much appreciated. I loved it, Matthew. Thank you for having me on. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and Maybe 30 minutes later, once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to JobInterviewExperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet, and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job, Go to JobInterviewExperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today.